Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. There's that old saying that opposites attract. In, in marriage, how do you handle those things that once attracted you to your spouse and now drive you crazy? There was a point in time when I loved Dina's spontaneity, but then it kind of reached its limit. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, can we just plan something yeah. once? Because I like to Could plan some things. order here. So uh, there, it's just inevitable. It's part of what happens in a relationship. I'm John Fuller, joined by Greg and Aaron Smalley. They uh, lead our marriage department here at Focus on the Family. Uh, Aaron, you meet a lot of couples. You work with couples as a therapist. Uh, you're very outgoing. You have a lot of friends. Um, how often do you see this um, this difference of it was an attraction and now it kind of repels me a bit or it bogs me down, it causes friction? More often than not, mm. we see this and I've experienced that. And over time, these differences can become annoyances. Um, the annoyances become deep beliefs about who your spouse is. And then you start forming these negative beliefs about your spouse and who they really are. And Dr. John Gottman, one of the nation's leading marriage researchers, calls negative beliefs one of the four horsemen. Hmm. And like, it's a relational germ in your marriage, and it infects your relationship with negativity. It's like, you know, you start seeing your spouse through this dark, dark lens. The great news is that you, as you become aware of, I'm seeing my spouse through this dark lens, you can choose to take that off. Hmm. You can choose to get help. You can choose to ask God to help you see your spouse in a different light. And that heart is what we're going to hear about now from Jim Daly and Dr. Kevin Lehman, that heart to work through the conflict. We often talk about how opposites attract, I think, in our marriage counseling here. Um, similar to what you experienced, Kevin. Talk about that magnetism and talk about how birth order plays into that attraction. Well, let's start with if both of us were the same, there'd be little use for one of us. <laughs> okay. Well, some opposites may have that thought. Yeah. <laughs> but opposites do attract. I mean, as a baby of the family, I can tell you, I married Mrs. Uppington. Now, and Mrs. where is she? Mrs. Uppington, of course, is my pet name for my firstborn wife who loves restaurants with four and five forks. <laughs> There's a right way to do things. She was color coordinated at birth, I believe. But, you know, I can still remember as a young husband-to-be standing at that aisle as she walked down the flower-strewn aisle. We spent $29 for flowers on our wedding. It was a big affair. And I remember looking at her little daisy she had. To this day, she hates daisies. But I didn't realize that underneath that bouquet was a rule book. Hmm. And firstborns tend to be the rule makers. Mm -hmm. Firstborns are good at spotting flaws. But I didn't realize that what happens in marriage is that when two people marry, it's not two. It's at least six. How do you get that man? Because you marry your in-laws, and you either reap the benefit of what happened in that family, mm. or you pay for it. Mm. So it's not only your bride or your groom's birth order, but what kind of family did they come out of? Was there a critical-eyed parent there? Put a critical eye, and that means a person who can spot a flaw at 50 paces in the marriage, and you got trouble. Hmm because they're going to be a flaw picker. That person isn't going to feel like they're loved. Women in particular who thrive on affection need to know that their husband has their back. 
at every moment of their life, okay? And many of us as men who aren't great wordsmiths, but we're great critics, can take the spirit of a woman and just level it with just a word or a look. That's so, a majority of the relational component, isn't it? It when is. You describe that. That's I mean, most men. I wrote a book called Smart Women Know When to Say No. In a contrast, the controlling male and the pleasing female. Mm. It's a very neurotic relationship. And like a moth to a flame, these people find each other out. So there's opposites that attract that aren't good, healthy marriages because one person does all the controlling and the other is beaten over the head like a baby seal. Let me ask you this. Some people are listening thinking, okay, this sounds good. This sounds psychological, and I get it. Where is God in this whole thing? Why did he design us like this? There's only so many emotions that we can feel. There's only so many attributes that we have. There's only so many positions in birth order that you can be. And he puts that all together, and then you're attracted to your spouse, and yet in most marriages, you have to learn to be selfless. Is it fair to say that if you put Christ at the center of your relationship, he can um, smooth out some of those rough edges? Well, that's what you hear all over the Christian kingdom. It just put Christ at the center of your life. The problem is, if you've married a woman who came out of a very dysfunctional family, who didn't have a loving father, number one, she's got all kinds of issues with God. Because so she's going to take a lot of sandpaper. She doesn't even <laughs> see God as the loving father. Mm. She sees him as the critical-eyed person. She runs on guilt. Now, I know I'm stepping on some toes when I say these words, believe me. But we tend to, in the kingdom of God, come up with these little platitudes. And so, yes, you want to rely on God for all things. If anything is going to overcome this great dysfunction in a family, it's the love of Jesus Christ in one's life. What I've learned is it takes people sometimes decades to get to that point mm. where they really understand that the sin I'm going to commit next week, you know what, Jim and John? It's already forgiven. Mm. See, God, Jesus came to this earth to put an end to religion, to put an end to religion. Not start a religion. You know, it's all about a relationship. So, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I don't know how people make it without God and marriage, if that's the question. I know people do, but I don't know how they do it. Mm. Uh, because there's times when you are you have this intimate union with this person where you'd want to either UPS them to a far-off land or, <laughs> or kill them. All right, Greg, so how has putting God first, like Kevin talked about, made a difference in your own relationship with Aaron? Huge, because the difference is, who do I see as the source of my fulfillment? So when Aaron and I are having struggles in our marriage, I guarantee it's because somehow I'm turning towards her as the source for my happiness or my fulfillment. It's her job to meet some need in my life, or she needs to make me feel a certain way. So then I've got to figure out how to get her to do that job. Well, see, that puts so much pressure and strain on her because she will fail. It's not if. It's, it's when, it's guaranteed. When, when I place Aaron 
in the role that God and only God is meant to fill in my life, which he is my true source for fulfillment. Erin is an amazing helpmate. She's an amazing assistant as I am in her life. But the moment that I really believe that she's got something that I so need, so I've got to figure out how to get her to provide that because that turns into manipulation that turns into controlling her. It creates then conflict in, in, and now we're not doing well at all simply because I was turning to her in a way that, that she was never meant to be and to function. And that's why my relationship with Christ becomes so paramount because he is my source. And, and as long as I'm turning towards him and going, God, you keep feeling me, you meet these needs, then I can behave with Aaron that, that you're, you're an amazing assistant. And, and here's ways that, that can help me really feel loved, but knowing that that really ultimately is going to come from God. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the emphasis on the spiritual component. We've talked about it many times here at Focus on the Family. Uh, you get that right, and uh, a lot can be better in your relationship. And you know, I think what we've heard today is really important, and that is you can get over conflict. You can uh, get over the stereotypes and the pigeonholes and the difficulties. Uh, we're here to help. Focus on the Family has a long history, over four decades, of offering biblically-based insights and advice. And uh, some of that is really easy stuff, like the marriage assessment. It's free. It'll take uh, maybe six, seven minutes for you to go through. And you'll be better for taking that and understanding where you're at as a couple. Um, We've had about a million people go ahead and uh, take the assessment. We're going to link over to it in the show notes. And then we've made resources available, like Dr. Lehman's book. Uh, We talked about that today with him. Uh, Get a copy of the birth order book and uh, learn some things about yourself and your spouse and how to work through those patterns. Uh, We're making that available for a gift of any amount today to the ministry. And uh, again, you can uh, follow the link in the notes, and uh, you'll see how to donate and get the book. Uh, Let me just say thanks in advance for your generosity, because uh, your gift helps marriages around the world. And finally, leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or however you get your shows. And when you do, you're helping others um, find out about this podcast and learn from uh, experts like Greg and Aaron. So thank you. On behalf of Greg and Aaron and the entire team here, thanks for listening today to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.